Welcome to Factor Magri, dedicated to New Zealand's primary industry. Each week, I talk with farmers and growers, industry, the science community, and policymakers to hear their news and views on matters relevant to both our rural and our urban communities. This week on Factor Magri, Maria Shanks from the Rural Support Trust joins me to discuss her new role within the organisation and some of the initiatives happening to support farmers and rural communities across our great land. Maria joins me now. Hello Maria, thank you for joining me today. Thank you very much for having me. Maria, you are the General Manager of the Rural Support Trust, uh, which is a new position. What journey have you been on that led you to this role? Uh, well, my parents were farmers. I was brought up on a farm uh, just south of Gisborne. Um, I had a huge amount of respect for them and what they did and what they achieved mm. on the farm, obviously working through some difficult times um, over the years as well. Mm. Um, and that pretty much led me to to wanting to work with farmers. So I've always looked to find roles where I was working with farmers. Yep. Um, originally, I started out in agribanking. Yep. Um, and then more recently, I've been, I was an extension manager at Beef and Lamb. Okay. Um, so the the great thing I said about that was at Beef and Lamb I got to say yes a lot more than I necessarily did at the bank. Yeah. Um, so that was yeah. that was really satisfying just to be able to work with farmers, um, supporting them and what they needed. Fantastic. So the GM role for the Rural Support Trust is a new position. What led to the need for this role? Has the organisation seen significant growth in donation or required support uh, in recent times? Yep, we've definitely seen a growing demand for services. Um, so there has been um, a need to increase capacity around the country within the regional trusts to actually service um, the increased demand for the services. Um, part of that is obviously there's been an increasing awareness. So um, over time, lots more people have become aware of the Rural Support Trust and what we do and how we can help. Um, mm. So that means people are more likely to pick up the phone and, and talk to us. Um, so we're seeing an increased demand from that perspective mm. um, and also where we're seeing adverse events and, and things as well. Mm. Um, that's that's um, creating an increased demand for services and support through those adverse events for recovery. Mm. Mm. Along with your role, has there been other significant changes in the organisational structure um, of the Rural Support Trust? Uh, not not recently, no. Um, mm. My role was essentially established to provide some support to the regional trusts, mm. but the regional trusts are reasonably autonomous. They mm. are actually the best people um, to know the needs of the region, so they're driving the activity that they know is important in their regions mm. um, and establishing the local needs. Mm, sure. Now, this year has been a significant one in terms of environmental challenges, particularly in the north. Can you talk to what the trust has been doing or the various trusts have been doing in the aftermath of the cyclone in particular and the significant damage to farms and rural communities that has occurred? And of course, the effects from this event are ongoing, I suspect, and will continue to do so for a long time. And I suspect some of these events may push many farmers to the wall. Yes, yeah, the, the trusts have been extremely busy. So there's obviously a lot of pressure out there um, when you've seen an event of this scale. Um, so initially the trusts are involved in the adverse events group. So most mm. regions have an adverse event group made up of um, council and MPI um, and other organisations, industry good bodies and the like. Um, so that the, 
the first thing they had to do was actually assess needs. So what are the most immediate needs um, and where are the priorities? Mm. And we saw a lot of that through some of the news coverage, you know, choppers having to go into isolated areas that could no longer, you know, get groceries or diesel or anything like that in. Mm. Um, and then longer term, it's around assessing the, those those needs. So there's been a lot of work during that recovery phase since that initial response around um, supporting people where they've got infrastructure needs, um, care packages, information about where to go for help, um, where there might be um, funding available to support some of the recovery stuff that they need, um, running events, um, and, and just ensuring that farmers actually have somewhere to go, someone to talk to, um, whether it's coming along to an event and having a chat with the neighbours um, mm. and other farmers and growers, or um, or actually talking to experts, uh, technical experts and things that can help them with some of the information and things they need on farm. Mm. So these, we, yeah, we've yeah. been working with a ton of organisations around that. So Rural Women, Balance, Greenlee, the Rapid Relief Team, you know, it's been amazing how people have got together and kicked in um, to help out. Yeah, and in particular, I gather Balance have been a significant supporter of the trust this year, which is which is really really cool. Yes, yep, Balance and Greenly, and mm. but yeah, there's been all sorts of people that have that have donated um, products and and things as well as money as well. So mm. we're immensely grateful. It, it makes such a difference um, in how we can we can respond and help people. Mm. When these type of events happen, do you pull resources from? trusts all across the country or does the relevant trusts in those areas essentially work through the challenges and fundraising effort relevant to them? Uh, there's a little bit of both because obviously the people on the ground know what's needed but the other yep. trusts will step in and help out mm. particularly in the, the early days um, some of the other trusts took the phone lines because the, the local team had enough on their plate yep. so the other line might have been answered in a different region okay. and then they're keeping records to 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 um, ensure that those local needs and things are, are then fed through to the, the trust on the ground um, so that they can prioritise and, and get things out to people. Um, we've had facilitator exchanges where facilitators from other regions have actually gone in to provide a bit more support and capacity in those regions that are really badly impacted as well. Mm. Um, and, and a lot of, you know, the sharing of experiences, processes, things that help or don't help. Yeah. Um, you know, we've had, uh, the Christchurch earthquakes and, and other things. So people have learnt lessons through those. Mm. Um, so it's sharing a lot of that experience as well. Mm. For listeners out there, how many people on a weekly basis, on average, call the Rural Support Trust helpline? And are there common themes that people are struggling with? Well, I don't think there's any such thing as a normal week um, because sure. it is very cyclical. There will yep. be times that will be much busier than others. Yeah. Um, I know we've had over 2,000 calls this year to the 0800 number. Wow. Um, that, that is higher higher than normal. Um, mm. Obviously, there's been a lot a lot going on. Um, that's partly, as I said, increasing awareness as well as our adverse events. Um, but the, the range of the calls can be huge. So, and and there's no there's no limit to to what you can call us about. It doesn't yep. have to be farming related. It can be relationship or anything along those lines. We do see a bit of employment um, at the moment. There is obviously financial concerns, mm. um, people worried about increasing input costs and interest rates and things, uh, mental well-being, um, and, and often just that feeling of overwhelm with a lot of things going on at once as well. But it will, mm. again, it will be different in different areas depending on, 
on what's mm. what's happening in those areas. Mm, sure. Is there a priority process in terms of needs from someone or communities in need? The, well, we receive um, intel from all sorts of organisations and connections, which would help yep. us prioritise, particularly around the community stuff. So, mm. you know, people get in touch and say, hey, something's happened in this community and, and we'll arrange, you know, some support or an event or information and things going out to there. Um, our one-on-one calls are prioritised through that 0800 number, so the person who answers the, the phone call um, and and their aim essentially is to get a facilitator to phone back people as soon as possible. Yep. So, sure. so they're, they're, they're an immediate priority. Yep. And um, what's on the go at the moment? What fundraising initiatives currently happening or perhaps coming up? Yeah, there's always um, all sorts of things going on around the country. So yep. we've got our timeout tool with Matt Chisholm. Yep. Um, and that's launching again uh, in November now that we've got through some carving and lambing and a few other things going yep. on on farm. Uh, so we've got four events coming up in November around the country with that. Um, and then working through a. Um, 2024 schedule as well. Mm. Um, so, um, yeah, that will be going all around the country. Plenty coming up. And I gather the Matt Chisholm tour, that first tour, was a success. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it was a huge success. And and this one it will be interesting because there's a lot more focus around sort of tools and techniques for, for managing stress and anxiety. Mm, mm, indeed. Now, as we head towards summer and looking at what summer might look like, are there... Areas of concern at the moment or areas where you think there might be an increased need for your services this summer? Well, I think we've all heard the um, drought prediction. So there is there is definitely a lot of concern, and that is in some of those areas that have been badly impacted by the wet. So it feels yep. like quite a change to be talking about drought when some of them are still dealing with a lot of flooding damage. Yeah. Um, but many of those trusts are already doing some preparation work mm. around that, so preparing messaging um, encouraging people to think early, so plan plan early, making decisions early. It's it's hard in a drought because they're a long, slow event as opposed to a flooding event. So those decisions can sometimes be delayed. Um, but actually, you just want to make sure that you're preparing, planning, kind of setting setting dates for yourself to actually make those decisions. Mm. There will also be some anxiety amongst farmers on a political front as we head into an election, and the unknown around that will be adding to pressures and anxiety, do you think? Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting, there's a, always a lot of talk about it, so I, I suppose that's always the interesting thing. Um, social media is always a great thing when it comes to um, politics, so you will get all of the um, views from, from the whole spectrum. Um, but we we are at least getting close now, so mm. um, we're only a couple of weeks away of getting getting some certainty there to to move on. Yeah, have you got a message for farmers out there who will be listening if they might be struggling with something? Yeah, I, th- I think take care of yourself. You know, stay connected, talk to people. It's very easy to feel overwhelmed when you're kind of feeling on your own. So so pick up the phone and talk to people. We're here for you. Um, phone the Royal Support Trust. Um, if you just want someone to talk to, that's all good. We're more than happy. Um, and we will we'll send someone around, someone who's rural-based, who understands some of the issues that you're facing, and have a yarn and see what we can do to help. Mm, fantastic. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you very much. It's clear that addressing the mental well-being of our farmers is not just a compassionate endeavour. It's an absolute necessity for the sustainability of our rural communities in New Zealand. The farming profession is 
undeniably demanding. Farmers face numerous stresses from unpredictable weather conditions to fluctuating market prices, increasing input costs, relentless policy pressure, and the isolation of rural life can further compound these challenges. However, it's important to acknowledge that investing in the mental health of farmers yields substantial benefits, not only for individuals, but for the health of farming in this country in general. Scientific research underscores the positive impact of improved mental health among farmers. A study published in the Journal of Rural Health found that farmers who engage in mental health support and practices experience a 30% reduction in depressive symptoms. This reduction in depression not only enhances the quality of life for farmers, but also boosts their productivity and decision-making abilities. Furthermore, promoting mental well-being among farmers can lead to a reduction in farm accidents. The National Farm Medicine Centre reported that farmers with lower stress levels are 30% less likely to experience accidents, ultimately creating safer working environments. These statistics emphasise the practical implications of good mental health on the primary sector's overall safety. In addition to personal and occupational benefits, the well-being of farmers ripples through the entire food supply chain. A report from the World Health Organization states that when farmers have better mental health, they are more likely to adopt sustainable farming practices. This not only enhances the long-term health of the land, but also ensures that we have a resilient and sustainable food system in the face of climate change. Good mental health fosters strong rural communities. Farmers who feel supported and emotionally resilient are more likely to engage in community activities, share knowledge and support their fellow farmers. This sense of camaraderie not only enriches the social fabric of rural areas, but also contributes to the overall prosperity of these communities. The importance of good mental health for farmers cannot be overstated in my view. With a myriad of benefits from improved individual well-being and safety to the sustainability of our agricultural practices and the viability of rural communities. Let's remember that good mental health within our farmers isn't just a matter of compassion. It's an investment in the future of agriculture and the future of this country as a whole. And courage lies in the ability to ask for help. That's all from me this week. Thank you for listening and catch you next time.